Hey there, before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about a unique opportunity for you and I to work together one-on-one. Right now, I am running a beta coaching program for my updated three-month coaching package, and this is basically the long way to say free coaching in exchange for your feedback. So if you're someone who is struggling with PMS, period pain, with fertility challenges or irregular cycles, then this, my friend, is for you. This could finally be the time for you to understand what is causing your symptoms so they can be a thing of the past. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more and sign up. Welcome to I'm Hormonal, your source of information about women's hormone health and how to support your body naturally. I'm your host, Bridget Walton, and I'm a certified functional hormone specialist and menstrual cycle coach. I am on a mission to hold these hormone conversations with as many menstruators as possible because you deserve easier access to accurate information about what is up with your unruly menstrual cycle and your fertility mysteries. Don't you think that it's time that we figure this out once and for all? On today's episode, we are going to talk about PCOS with Bess Berger, who's the founder of Nutrition by Bess. Bess is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she is based in New Jersey. Bess specializes in working with women to help them reach their hormone, menopause, and PCOS-related goals. Are you somebody who has been diagnosed with PCOS recently, or do you suspect that PCOS could be what's behind your irregular or really long cycles? Well, we will talk about what you can consider when it comes to diet and nutrition in order to support your hormone health and your body while living with PCOS. If this is your first time listening, hello there, and I am so glad that you found the pod. For those of you who have joined this conversation before, welcome back. A quick reminder that the information we share with you today is for educational purposes only, and it should not be used as a replacement for one-on-one support from a certified practitioner. Now that being said, if you want some more specific feedback, then head over to BridgetWalton.com so we can connect. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Bess. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really grateful to have you here. Thanks so much, Bridget, for having me. Yeah, of course. I've been really looking forward to our conversation on PCOS and of course hearing from your perspective of the diet and nutrition side of things, like what gals out there can do to support their hormones and support their PCOS. Do you want to kick us off by letting us know more about who you are, uh, what you do, and how you support your clients and their hormones and PCOS? Sure. So um, I, I work primarily, I'm a registered dietitian. I'm located in New Jersey, right outside New York. Um, and I work primarily with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Probably about 80 to 85% of women that I work with have PCOS. Um, wow. And they're on varying, varying, you know, places on their journey. Um, usually PCOS is um, diagnosed in your 20s and, 30, 20s and 30s, like probably when you're maybe trying to have kids or um, you've had enough uh, years of your menstrual cycle that now it's like significantly off track and we need to like address it. Um, so I love working with PCOS because it's, it's really re- very responsive to food. So you have, um, you know, diet, exercise, supplements, things like that. There are a lot of things to do before we can get to other options. Um, and um, I also, you know, take women through 
you know, uh, infertility is a factor with PCOS for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's like, it's, it's really great at any given time. I have several women who are, you know, trying to conceive or pregnant, um, or giving birth, you know, last week or so, I think I was in touch with like three women that I'm working Mm -hmm. with that, um, that just gave birth and, you know, just checking in how they're doing and things like that. So, that's awesome. Again, yeah, the food is, you know, nutrition is very, PCOS is very responsive to good nutrition. So um, that's really how I got into this niche because it's so helpful. Yeah. I'm curious, do your clients, when they come to you, do they already know that they have PCOS and that's how they found you? Or do you work with clients because they come to you with, you know, A, B, and C symptoms? And and then you're like, okay, this is what we're looking at. We should We should look at this as PCOS and sort of act accordingly the like 90% know that they have PCOS already, or they're like just getting it confirmed with maybe a blood test or an ultrasound or something like that. Um, there are some times though, that women, I guess are Googling and then like end up on my site or something like that. And mm-hmm. because they have irregular periods or, um, something like that. And then as you're telling me the symptoms, I'll recommend like, maybe you want to go see a doctor and, and just get this confirmed because it sounds like a great deal. Like PCOS. Yeah. Makes sense. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the top things that you go through? Like uh, somebody comes to you, she has PCOS and like talk us through some of the top considerations and recommendations that you give to her. Yeah. So um, great question. So my, my, my overall approach in general uh, for nutrition is that we need to make it livable and doable. Like we live in a very black and white, all or nothing type of culture in terms of America with food. So we're either, either people are on a strict diet or not strict diet or whatever it is. There's, there, it, 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 you know, it's very, you know, so many people start a diet at nine o'clock on Monday morning and they're off of it by like two, three o'clock in a vending machine. So we need to make it doable. That's like number one. Um, so I'm very much a fan of like small, slow and steady wins the race. Um, you know, so again, we're, we're very all or nothing. Most of us want to jump in, you know, feet first to every process, but um, I really find a lot more success. Like I can't stress this enough in terms of making changes over time that are sustainable. Um, the best feedback I love getting from women is they don't feel like they're on a diet. They feel like they're just making healthy food choices and it's like livable. Like they don't, you know, um, also, you know, I don't believe in eating, um, a hundred percent, you know, quote healthy or whatever it is, or only making healthy food choices. Um, I think part of a healthy diet is also going, you know, making like having foods that aren't necessarily healthy. Um, so, Again, as, as that might sound, it, that's really not part of American culture. That's not how we function with food. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of slowly moving away from that. Um, and it's like a process. I really, um, when I'm working with people, it's really, we're going through a process together. So um, I love getting, the, again, the feedback from women that like, they can't believe it. They went out to dinner and they like, they love that a, a certain dish or food or a dessert or entree or whatever it is, or, you know, at, at a restaurant, they had it and like, it was okay. Like their whole diet didn't <laughs> fall apart. Yeah. So, um, or they went on vacation and they didn't feel like super bloated or totally off track when they got back. So it, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's a big factor. Yeah. I love what you said about that. Of course, just making it realistic and just something that we can actually do because yeah, too many folks out there falling into the, just like you said, like Monday through Friday, oh, I'll restart on Monday. And, and that's tough. But um, when you're working with clients mm-hmm. to put these different or put these changes, tweaks in place, is there a particular diet? Well, 
I don't know if I even want to say diet. I guess you tell me, but is there a specific diet that you have them go by or is it really just cleaning it up, like reducing processed foods, reducing, um, you know, different oils and, and things like that? Can you talk me through sort of what you recommend there? Yeah. So great question. So it really depends on the person. So, um, it depends what the person has. I'm usually on someone's first phone, phone call. So like they have tried various things in the past and it hasn't clicked together with good reason. I mean, PCOS is uh, structuring something for PCOS is like a little bit, you know, you have to like hedge the diet and, and the eating a certain way. So, um, so, you know, you know, PCOS partially has inflammation as a um, symptom. So, you know, certain inflammatory or things that people don't process well, you know, like dairy or gluten, you know, are usually, it's part of the conversation if they're, if they're willing to omit it or not. Um, you know, I definitely work with, I don't know, it might be like 50, 50, whether people are dairy free or not when I work with them. Mm. Um, and similar to gluten free, if they're gluten free or not. Um, and, uh, sugar is another one. And, and like you said, the processed carbs um a lot you know some of some of it when i'm working with someone like we're basically cleaning up their um intake you know switching over to better quality foods um you know pcos is you know also very um insulin related so like your blood sugar we want to we want to try to get the blood sugar back on track as best as we can um and you know control insulin um, and manage that as best as we can. So that has to do with, um, you know, just the processed foods and the quality of the carbs and things like that. I don't subscribe to no carbs or anything like that. I, mm -hmm. you know, almost all the women I work with have fruit or other, you know, I, I bring up fruit only because some people are, you know, start off afraid to eat it like an apple. And that's like, you know, uh, you know, I don't really want someone to live like that. So, um, but, it, but it is like, um, you know, the quality of the carbs makes a difference. Definitely. I want to come back to something that you said first about gluten and dairy. You said like half of folks that you work with are dairy free. And I actually forget what you said specifically for gluten free, but is that because they come to you that way or because you're saying, Hey, they're let's try this. And they're finding that that does help to improve their symptoms and help them feel better. That's a great, yeah. So probably half of the people that are willing to do gluten-free or dairy-free either started out that way or if they've done it in the past um, or they're like willing to try it or they're willing to try one or something Got like it. that. No, like a gluten-free or dairy-free diet is not, you know, that pleasant for a lot of people. So, you know, it, it depends. I, you know, I think if there's a quality of life issue as well, that you have to be able to live and, you know. Um, Definitely. So some people find omitting dairy to be very, very cumbersome. Some, some people find it to be okay. Um, you know, sometimes people find the options for gluten these days mm -hmm. to be much more user-friendly and dairy to not really be up to the same level as gluten-free products at this point. So it, it really mm -hmm. depends on the person, what they're willing to do. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about, well, I, so I live out here in California where like if you're gluten-free and dairy-free, you've got just boatloads of options, but right. yeah, I didn't think about that so much where you are on the East coast or just any other part of the country or planet earth. Like, yeah, not as many options there. It can be tough. Um, mm -hmm. but okay. So it sounds like though, as far as considering things to limit, um, or otherwise just say, Hey, what is your body's response to gluten and dairy? Those are things that you focus on. And then you mentioned, um, 
insulin too, and like focusing on keeping blood sugar levels stable. I've talked about that a bit on the podcast already so far. So perhaps listeners are familiar with that. Is there anything Mm -hmm. else outside of kind of those three, if I heard you right, those three kind of core tenets that, that you focus on and, and try to educate your, your clients on? Um, yeah, I think the other part would be, um, kind of like what I said, I'm not, I'm not a fan of people eating. Sometimes I, I, I'm working with women who want to eat like a hundred percent, um, you know, clean or only, only healthy choices, whatever you call it. I'm, I'm actually like, I try to move people away from that just because of sustainability. I don't think it's realistic. I think at some point you're going to end up with something and then you're not prepared and you don't have the toolbox to figure that out. Um, and the other thing is, um, um, more often probably than one would expect, um, you know, I had someone earlier this week, I was like, you know, I'm like, you're not eating enough. We need to like do like, you know, if you get too hungry and go too far without food, it really does boomerang. And then we're, you know, it's really not fair to the person like someone that you know again we live in a very like bashing society like culture in terms of food so like oh I, I don't know why I can't eat healthy you know people have these tapes that they play they're really unhealthy for them and um I find like if for some reason people have the expectation they should be able to go like eight hours without food <laughs> in the mm-hmm. day like oh I ate breakfast and so now I shouldn't only dinner I should only eat dinner and um kind of a you know again like we need to structure some sort of like routine here that gets your body like doses of food and and again you know the boomerang effect of not eating for a while is i'm eating overeating and that goes back to like it's, it's not really helpful for insulin and other things and balance mm-hmm. and then you know there is that you know very like old school you know idea that like every time you eat it's giving your body the opportunity to get nutrients and our bodies really do need the nutrients of, of healthy food you know um sometimes with fruits or vegetables, especially with vegetables, you know, people think like they're just like fillers or a dietitian, of course, is going to tell you to eat that or whatever it is, but they really do provide like tons of nutrients that our bodies like need. Um, and tons of fiber, like they really aren't just kind of like a placeholder. They're, they're really doing a lot of stuff. They, they affect our hormones greatly, which is obviously a huge factor with PCOS. And it really like, you know, it's, we, we really need them in our, you know, yeah. Are there any particular, like, I don't know, three different vegetables that you're like, hey, girl, let's focus on these three, you know, for people who are not big vegetable eaters? Um, yeah. Is there Are there any particular ones that are like more helpful than others for gals with PCOS? I really, I, I kind of try to meet the person where they're at. Like, so what they, you know, prefer and like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy if they get something green in their diet that works, you know, <laughs> yeah. whether it be kale, spinach or broccoli. I don't know, if, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the berry colors or, and the purples and things like that, I like to have tons of antioxidants. Those are healthy and oranges. So, you know, definitely is the adage of having a rainbow is helpful, but I, I'm kind of happy if you're, if, if, if you start off like not eating so many vegetables and we find vegetables that are good options and you, you know, we get, we're getting them in. I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. We don't need yeah. to make it into rocket science, right? Just the vegetables yeah. that you like. Let's do it. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. another thought that I had, uh, you had mentioned a couple of minutes ago, just, um, gals who are not eating enough and not causing problems. So I mostly think of that as it relates to like hypothalamic, hypothalamic amenorrhea and just, right? When you're not eating enough, you're 
body is producing more cortisol. And so that's not doing you any favors when it comes to supporting ovulation. I feel like that's probably the full, the full rundown there, but is there anything that I missed again from, from your perspective, of course, and with regards to PCS of, uh, how that whole cycle impacts itself and how, how that. With, with someone getting their cycle or not getting their cycle in that regard. Yeah, I guess I just am thinking, um, it's really the, the stress on your body of not eating that is preventing you from ovulating. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So that's a factor, I guess my, um, you know, concern and then more close, like immediate, like sooner is that it produces like overeating. And then we have like, Hmm. you know, a few hours later, like when, when we, when the person eats something and then they're so hungry because they've gone to, we've gone to so long more than our body is designed to do to go without food. We, we overdo it. And then our body can't really tolerate all that food at one sitting. And then, and then we have like insulin going too high and then it maybe like the, the resistance insulin resistance is is more of a possibility and we have like a few other hormone factors going that Got don't it. um that that aren't it's not like an ideal setup okay makes sense um yeah. i'm wondering so when you're working with clients and you start making recommendations for them to change certain aspects of their diet how long does it normally take for them to see any changes and see like improvement in their symptoms, if at all? Like, do you have a kind of framework for that? So I, I, um, I wish it was more of a specific exact science, right. But, um, I think overall, like, I think maybe the younger you are, the, the sooner you, you know, and, and that's, I think, I think just a matter of like peeling back the layers of an onion, you know what I mean? Like you're just, your body's newer, you know what I mean? If, if you're first, <laughs> first starting this process, like 35 years old, you've had 20 years of, you know, you know, non-ideal circumstances going on. So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, there are, you know, it, like, let, let's say we take, you know, the idea of like an irregular period or something like that, you know, within like 30 days or something, I very often we see like a, a shift in our, in one cycle, which is amazing. Or at yeah, least definitely. like their first cycle. Yeah. At least their first cycle, the days have shortened. Um, hmm. if not within their first, I mean, like most times it's within their second, which is really kind of exciting. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're yeah. all, like both, both of us are kind of pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. that would be really yeah. obviously encouraging to like, keep going, mm-hmm. keep on the same trajectory, keep, I mean, just elevating your, uh, I guess health or refining it, maybe refining is a better word than elevating but yeah 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 yeah. I mean and and getting your period on a regular cycle and and, you know getting down closer to that like 28 to like maybe 34 35 day range of you know it is a sign of overall health in terms of the system and things like that um sometimes it it varies a little bit and we have to like factor things in if someone's coming off of birth control and stuff like that or you know sometimes I'll, I'll you know it's not uncommon that I get calls that are like um, I, you know, I was put on birth control when I was like 17, when I didn't have a regular period. And now like when I'm trying like at, you know, 27 or 32, like 10, 15 years down the line, they thought, you know, PCO went away, PCOS went away, but they, they didn't realize that the birth control was just masking the symptoms. So, um, you know, they weren't getting their period and we're just kind of like looking for them to get their period mm-hmm. somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, and then yeah. we'll start from there, like trying to like get it more regulated and stuff. 
Yeah. That reminds me, so because you mentioned like post-birth control, PCOS, Mm -hmm. right? We know there are like different drivers behind PCOS and we talked about insulin resistance resistance already. So Mm -hmm. whether it's post-pill, insulin resistant, adrenal or inflammatory driven PCOS is the sort of course of action to recover? Is it more or less the same for each Um, or do you do anything different depending on what the driver is behind PCOS? Um, so that would be basing it more sort of off of labs, right? Is what is that what you're asking? Like sort of, yeah, so there is a difference a bit. Um, I would also say like the supplements that want, that I would recommend are a little bit, the angle is a bit different. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, would you walk us through that? Like just uh, at a high level, kind of like what are the normal supplements that you do work with and, and recommend to your clients? So, I mean, it would be, it would, so as you, as you probably realize, like I kind of try to meet someone where they're at. Um, I'm a big fan of supplements. However, you know, sometimes people are up for taking them, but they only want to take them once a day, or sometimes they want to take them, but they only want to take three pills a day or something like that. So, um, you know, of, of course, like vitamin D is a big factor, right. With so many things, these, you know, um, I find a lot of times someone's labs come in at the very low end. They're in like the 5%, you know, cutoff rate of vitamin D, which I consider really low. We're not really looking for you to almost be out of the vitamins, like below vitamin D levels. Um, so we need to boost those up. Fish oils could be helpful. Um, it depends if someone's coming in on metformin or not also, or other medications mm. that like factor into um, those things. Um, I, and, you know, I, I, I work it would depend on the case, but um, there's some sort of combination often of like inositol and NAC and berberine possibly and um, the B vitamins and things like that. Um, And again, it really depends like how, and and fish oil, if I didn't mention that, I forgot. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. I think that's a pretty good rundown. That was, I don't know, maybe seven that you mentioned and you're right. Yeah. Doing the lab work with clients so you can make sure that it matches exactly what they need. I know that berberine is really good for supporting blood sugar levels. Same with fish oil as well, I guess everything that you said, really. but um, those to me stick out as the two main ones that are blood sugar kind of focused. Is that, is that the case? Um, I, I sometimes, yeah. And acetal also, um, and the blood sugar is a factor, but like I, I, I wouldn't under, you know, I, I think like, and this is like probably the vitamin du jour also, but like the vitamin D is like really under, I, I mean, I still find it like on low, even though everyone's talking about it, or maybe I'm biased because hmm. I'm in this field. I feel like everyone talks about <laughs> it, but um, I don't know which, which came first, but um, you know, at least, at least once or twice a week, I look at someone's labs and like, they're in like, again, like the 5% of like within normal limits mm. and I don't know that's just low to me and then it's it, it, it's responsible for so many processes that, that like it's really beneficial to yeah you know and again like PCOS like people have trouble like maintaining a healthy weight or like losing weight and things like that and vitamin d is really important for even you know like even with you know they've they've had information now come out that like you know even with low vitamin d like it makes weight loss harder so like we're kind of like I don't know I would someone with PCOS, we kind of like got to give them all the tools possible to maintain. It, 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 it's very, it's, it's 
like people who are trying to lose weight, it, it, it's pretty stubborn. Definitely. When it comes yeah. to vitamin D supplementation for somebody who is maybe less inclined to go with a supplement. And of course we know you can get vitamin D from the sun, but are there like one or two foods that are high in vitamin D that, that people should consider integrating into their, into their meals? So it's funny. I, I, I happen to be, you know, um, I, I, I typically angle most things towards food before supplements. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D is probably one of them. I, I don't, I just recommend. Oh, interesting. It. Yeah. If, if it's low, just, just take it. Okay. All right. Just yeah. straight yeah. to the source, straight to the supplements. Yeah. Is there anything, I'm just thinking if there's like one thing that comes to mind as, you know, if, if you could like magically be like everybody out there, like stop doing this one thing that's like mm-hmm. making your PCOS worse. Like what would that one thing be? Like, what would your recommendation be? I think if if one makes like even like a 10 or 20% um, decline in processed foods and like mm. a 10 or 20% increase in uh, whole foods, that probably would be a good like number one thing to do. Okay, perfect. Mm. I love that. Whole food diet or whole food focus. Easy enough. Yeah. Yeah, so like ten or twenty percent. Yeah, like a day is maybe like if if two of the food choices are in that direction, that would be great. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share about nutrition as it relates to PCOS and overall hormonal health? Um, I think you know, um, you know, women, you know, call up like very, very frustrated, very. you know, feeling like there's no, like a little hopeless and things like that. I don't even say this as the practitioner. Again, this is like the feedback I'm getting from people that it's doable to, like to live with PCOS. You know what I mean? Like if we're, um, you know, that we can make changes that, that are, that it, that it, it, you don't have to feel like, you know, you, you look at a bagel and like it, you gain weight or that your cycle is never going to be on track unless you're taking birth control or things like that. There are a lot of, you know, again, tools that we can like bring to the table to, um, you know, to, to try to get you on track. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach. Incremental approach. A lot of stuff Mm -hmm. that we can do or that folks out there can do. And I think that might be a really good way to wrap up our conversation for today. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, thanks so much. I really have appreciated this conversation, diving into Mm -hmm. nutrition around PCOS and hormone health. So Mm -hmm. thanks so much. For any of you listeners who want to connect with Bess or consider working with Bess, then you can reach out to her at her website, which is nutritionbybess.com. If you want to learn more about PCOS, then come back next week where we will do a really deep dive on PCOS, what are the four different drivers behind PCOS, and what it really means. So keep your eyes peeled for next week's episode on that. If you learned something new in the episode today and found it helpful, consider sending this episode to someone who you know would find it insightful as well. Now, don't forget to subscribe and rate or review the podcast. And last but not least, if you're wondering if one-on-one coaching with me would be a good fit for you, click the link in the show notes to set up a free discovery call or go to BridgetWalton.com. I am 
so grateful for you listening and especially for those of you who have made it all the way to the end here. Thank you so much and I will see you here next week.